Jamie, did you have um, more kicks questions? Kicks questions, kicks questions. Um, this one, I understand if you can't answer it, but you do have a new comic coming out, Wits at Anathano, so Star Wars Adventures. And will we see the entire crew in it? I, I, I probably shouldn't say anything, but I'm going to spoil just a little of the comic. Incoming transmission from an unknown source. It seems to be urgent. Patching them through. They're calling themselves the Holonet Marauders. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Holonet Marauders podcast. I'm AJ. And I'm joined here, as always, by my Bombad Pirate Marauders crew. Pirate and Marauders, I guess it's the same thing. But uh, yes, hey, it is. How's it going, Jamie and Matt? <laughs> it's no, going well. It's going well. I'm excited today. Going well. Excited. Wait, super excited today because we have a very special guest on the podcast today. We have author Landry Q. Walker. He was the author for Star Wars... Uh, I can't read. Stars, Tales from a Galaxy Far, Far Away, Aliens, in which this is where we have our beloved tale about Sidon and Thano. So Crimson Corsair and the Treasure of Count Dooku and a bunch of other fun stuff. So Landry, thank you so much for coming on our show today. Hi, thanks for having me. We're yeah, super excited to have you. Oh, and yeah. uh, AJ, you want to get started? <laughs> yeah, I just want to, you know, as listeners of the show and as you can see, our, our mascot sort of turned into Sidon himself, just... I don't really know what inspired it, really, guys. But like, we love the look of them. You know, from seeing Force Awakens, I love the look of them, and then all the the lore added to them. You know, obviously by Landry. Um, really, we love pirates. I think that's the, so. We love space pirates too in well, Star obvious. Wars. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you were thrown off to see like a podcast with the Sidon logo. Well, I don't know if there's really any. Made of, me very happy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean. You're the you're the guy to to go to for Sidon, so you know I can't tell you how excited we are to have you on. Yeah, we're <laughs> very excited for this. But um, you know, first question, as I always ask all of our guests, it's uh, you know, what what got you into Star Wars as a you know as a kid or whatever? Like, how'd you become a Star Wars fan? Well, I was I was the right age because I'm I'm about to turn fifty in a few months, and um, so when Star Wars came out, the first one I was six, I want to say, going on seven which is kind of a perfect age for, for that to be in theaters. I didn't know what I was seeing when I was almost a little too young for it, but just old enough that I was engrossed thoroughly. Um, you know, it's, I, every kid my age, everything they were into died the moment Star Wars came out and it became all about Star Wars. Um, and then so that I'm, what, nine when Empire Strikes Back comes out and 12 when Return of the Jedi comes out. Um, any younger, for the first one, I would have been a little too young to really understand much of it a little older and by the time return of the jedi came out i would have been like yeah another star wars movie whatever. <laughs> i was just the perfect age to be captivated by every minute of it um so yeah i don't think i could be I, I don't think i could not be a star wars fan every kid i knew that's all that mattered was star wars right it's funny you mentioned like star wars came out and everything else didn't matter because right before you came on we were discussing like oh remember like before force awakens you know we were always star wars fans here but like the sequel trilogy really um revitalized a lot of us as star wars fans and we were talking about like mad max and different movies that came out in 2014 and then we we're like it's, that was a weird time because then force awakens came out and it, you know we dropped everything and we were like we're, we're yeah. back to star wars yeah, yeah. So it, it's funny you mentioned that but um yeah my my other question was you know obviously that's how you became a star wars fan but how 
how did it come about um, writing for Star Wars, working on Star Wars projects? Um, it's kind of funny because um, I was working, you know, the company Sideshow Collectibles? Yeah. Yeah. I was working for them for a couple of years um, on a property called Court of the Dead. And so I was surrounded by all the beautiful Star Wars stuff they do. Like walking down, that office is amazing. It's like this three-story building with all of the stuff they make. Um, just around the corner from where I'd be working, there was the life-size, oh God, why am I blanking? Darth Malgus statue. Hmm. Um, so I'm hanging out with this life-size Darth Malgus all the time. And just looking at the six-scale Star Wars started to really get me back into, this is what, a year or two before, started a year or two before Force Awakens came out. So I'm looking the stuff, getting really into Star Wars again, just seeing the toys, because I was always a toy person. And um, then, uh, so I'm, I'm starting to feel this kind of fever pitch. So I start watching Clone Wars, which I hadn't watched. Um, and I'm starting to get into that. And then I get this, I'm, I'm standing in the middle of Sideshow, working with my friend Eric. And I look at my email, and I've got an email from Lucasfilm just saying, Hey, we want you to write some Star Wars. That was really it. I just they uh, came to me and asked me. So casual. And I just my heart stopped beating. I wasn't breathing. I was like, huh. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't. Yeah, I'm like, there, there we go. I'm holding. I'm trying to drink my coffee uh, with one hand and hold my iPad with another since my it's, it's good. It's very on brand, like revealing the excitement. Just be like, oh my gosh, the disorientation. It's great. It's perfect. <laughs> um. So and so that book would have been Aliens, right? And yeah. So, yeah. How did how did like that process go like going into it? Like what did like Lucasfilm give you? And then like what did you pretty much like come up with on your own? This is an interesting thing. So um they basically say, okay, can you come in next week to Lucasfilm and we'll meet? And so I go in, um, which is convenient because I actually live up in the Bay Area, right across the bay from from Lucasfilm publishing. And um I go in and uh they bring me into uh, you know, one of those businessy business conference rooms. Um, and it turned out like half the people in there I had worked with at different companies before. So it was a nice little reunion. And they put out like 30 different images of, of aliens in front of me from Force Awakens. And they give me a quick like rundown. Here's the basic premise of, of Force Awakens. And um, I can pick. They, there's two there were two characters they wanted me to work with. They wanted me to do six stories. Two of them they picked. And that was um, Baba Joe and Unkar Plutt. Um, the other four were up to me. Um, and so I've got all, all I have are the pictures with a little couple sentence description I think was written by Pablo Hidalgo, but I'm not sure if he's the one who mm -hmm. wrote that stuff or not. Um, and so, I mean, the Crimson Corsair was right there in front of me looking amazing. <laughs> but so I picked all the other four. Um, and I think all I had for each of them was a sentence and everything after that I built. Nice. Nice. We're, so like, we're, we're glad you picked him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would have yeah, picked seriously. him too. I mean, well, we, yeah. Yeah, we did pick him kind of. The look alone. I mean, like we, yeah, yeah we, we chat about all the time, how like uh, everything that like comes about, like from the story, like that's like the reason, like why, like we like enjoy Sidon so much because like he's in the force awakens and like, he's incredible. And like, obviously he has just like quiggled with him, just like chilling. But like, we, they don't do anything really in in the movie but like actually like seeing like what they do is like or reading about it was like really really exciting for us yeah. um you don't get that sarcastic quiggled uh, personality <laughs> from the movie <laughs> okay you can like barely walk you they like help each other out the door <laughs> it's great 
Um, I always kind of I always kind of call refer to Sidon Athano as like the sequel's Boba Fett in a way. Right. Although he's Boba Fett's more of a solo guy, I guess. Where I don't know, he he has the cool look that catches your eye. Yeah, like the one the original. Line, yeah, go ahead. Boba Fett has a couple, but and admittedly, Boba Fett has a bigger impact on the plot. But it's I I am surprised that it has taken so long to get to do anything much else with the Crimson Corsair because he is a character I think that if he was invested in with more ancillary material could have that same kind of impact but right. mm-hmm. there has to be a recognition and an investment to make it happen yeah no exactly which is kind of why we we're trying to build that recognition do, just, just throwing that out there is, is just for that, you know? <laughs> I mean there must be a little bit of recognition for him because when the resistance season two trailer came out, he was like one of yeah. the big reveals right. in that. And we were pumped for that. And he was only in it for like a minute in that little yeah. intro. We go back like daily and watch that intro. I um, watched it. I, I, w- I saw that and I was like, what are they going to do with Sidon and I thought, no, I'm very, so you didn't um, know that you didn't know they were going to put him in there. Like, I mean, obviously it's not really like you have ownership over him, but yeah. like they weren't even like, Hey, we're going to use him." Yeah, no, no. I found out the same way everyone else did. And, That's crazy. Um, it's wow. it's a little it's I mean I've got good connections in the publishing world but the, the TV and movie world can kind of do what they want and I feel I was really really super happy with what they did with him because it, I felt it tied right in with the story you know we end the um, am I jumping ahead on any questions you want to ask you're good no, no okay. you're good <laughs> the um you know and and this is spoilers if for anyone who hasn't read the book and if they haven't read the short story and they're watching this podcast with his face on it i'm a little stuck <laughs> yeah pointed and sad for them um <laughs> but uh the story ends with you know this promise this hint of raiding um old separatist uh and and other uh bases for military supplies and what do we see and the only other, the next thing we see of Sidon anywhere is um, a blip in Star Wars Adventures that I wrote where we see all these battle droids coming out of the ground. And the next thing we see is the cartoon um, where he's selling battle droids. Yeah. So it all mm-hmm. yeah. connects. I, mean, I was very pleased with yeah. that. That must have been like super cool to see that they really like adhered to what you set up. Like you had this yeah. story that you created yeah. this lore and then they they came in and took that and expanded upon it. That must have been so cool. That's yeah, exactly. And that's honestly the dream whenever you're doing this kind of stuff for me anyway, is this um, desire to plant seeds that do get taken off by other people. I just want to plant more of those seeds before it goes too far. Um, So I've been trying very hard to create more opportunities to work with the character. It's like um, I did a Supergirl series called cosmic Supergirl cosmic adventures in the eighth grade. And there are elements of that. I don't know if any of you have watched the current Supergirl TV show. Um, Not. Yeah, there. I, I, I. It's it's kind of a niche sort of show, but there are um, elements of it, characters in there that, while I didn't create, I the characters that had showed up seven times in the 1970s and never again that I brought back that are now on television. The ver- basically the versions I created, or the one character anyway. And that is a heady feeling. It's exciting. That's so fun. Yeah, that's that's must, awesome. That it's that's really, really cool. fun. Yeah. I mean, you want to contribute to these larger mythos that um, we're all fans of. And just, you know, push it and influence it a little bit. Yeah. I got to ask about um, my favorite clone trooper, which happens to be Kix, uh, CT61116. Uh, and it was before... Your story, I just gotta say, because um, oh. I've I've always like loved to medic kicks anyway. But 
him showing up in the Bad Batch arc in the Clone Wars season seven. Sorry to get a little bit like weird on the timeline here, but um, wait, it, does he? It, yeah, he's in the Bad I Batch season to. seven. Oh, oh, yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, wait, what? Yeah, so when he's in the Bad when, Batch episodes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you so were saying when, he was in the Bad Batch. I'm like, I'm no, oh no, 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 oh man, no, no. Um, no, no, for, for context, for anyone who might know, listener-wise, uh, Kix shows up in the Bad Batch arc when they go to Anaxis, and he helps on that little thing and then helps Cody. So, um, but in in your story, Kix is off and on, like, Kix is the prize. Then, yeah. like, literally, um, why'd you pick Kix? And, like, just tell me tell me everything you can about that. Well, <laughs> I, and honestly, um, it was kind of simple mathematics of it. Um, I wanted a character who had a reason to be plugged in. He was, he was always kind of, one, I wanted it to be a clone that, I didn't want it to be a random clone. I didn't want to make a clone up for it. I wanted it to be a character from the show who had scenes, who had lines. He was one of my favorite ever since the Umbara um, battle, where mm -hmm. he, I think that's the episode where he briefly, maybe it's a different episode, but he briefly pulls rank on Rex. Maybe it's one where they, they crash landed um, and they find the clone. I think that that's Umbara. Um, because yeah, well, Kix wants to save as many as he can, and Rex yeah. is like, "Well, you can't." And so, yeah, there, there's one yeah. where he literally it's... tells Rex when it comes to matters of the safety of of you know of our team, our people. You know, I have rank. He pulls mm -hmm. a little bit. He goes a little McCoy Star Trek, which is always one yeah. of my favorite things in Star Trek. Was seeing the doctors go. Actually, I have rank when it comes to medical matters. So, and and seeing Kix do do that cemented in my mind, and then. You go into the one where um, after uh, Tup, was it Tup shoots um, the Jedi mm -hmm. and uh, Fives starts investigating, the clone he finds in the bar is Kix. And he goes to Kix and he says, I need, and Kix is like, oh my God, everyone is hunting you. Like, this is bad. And he's like, you got to get me Skywalker. I got to talk to General Skywalker and, Re and, and, and Rex. And Kix goes through that. He doesn't turn him in. He, you know... He's loyal and he he helps connect it, and that's the last at that time when I wrote the story. That was the last we saw of Kicks. Now I did not know about the unfinished episodes at the time as they were. Mm -hmm. I found about out about those after I wrote my story. So I was like, this is kind of perfect because we last also Kicks was the doctor on the medic on scene when Tup did the shooting and had lines and scenes, and he was one suggesting send him to Camino. So he had all the reasons to pull, put some threads together and start his own investigation. And he had the motivation because these were his brothers. Um, and he was concerned with all the medical aspects, as we saw in other episodes. So it didn't seem reasonable to me that he would let it go at that point. He would push it, and he had just enough medical knowledge to, if, if Fives could go as far as he did, then Kix could even go, potentially, could get there quicker. He has enough medical knowledge to make himself, to put himself in more danger. Yeah. So everything about him lined up. So at some uh, point you had to stop him because he <laughs> he could theoretically get too far and blow the door off everything. So you had to figure yeah. out a way to separate him. Well, and it kind of comes into not having him explore. Sometimes when you're writing um, a character, not having them take an action is a weakening point for them. It would be weaker for Kix as a character if he dropped it at that point. Yeah. Like it, So having him, not only did I need a character to be in that role but it not but kicks not having some further arc with this would lessen who he had been established in these scenes to be even though he was always a minor character it it mattered um so yeah those are the reasons i picked okay kicks. 
Cool. Hmm. Good reason. I yeah, I I just love to like hear it because it's just like this is literally every single thought that like I've had like about it as well. Cause I'm like, this is why it makes sense. Like cars going by. This is why <laughs> it makes sense that Kix was the one. And so like it's just interesting that like in the Bad Batch arc that he even appears because like when we see him again in that arc, uh, he doesn't have the shaved head anymore and he right. just has like regular hair, but you can kind of see his tattoo, um, which is the look that is in the comic, which is yeah. really cool to see in that right. one frame. I actually um, wanted want them to go further. I wanted it to go further in the comic. I wanted a shaggier beard like he stopped. Not not so curated, not so trimmed. His hair is overgrown, but that would make sense like at that point if he started to grow his hair out because I didn't have anything to do with that, but I, they did add the hair and I thought that's interesting. You know, I wondered yeah. if that was an attempt to bridge it. Cause I know they know about the story because the notes I got on the story when I wrote it, cause I just ran with it. I didn't ask for permission to use kicks. I just did it. And so one of the notes, I think again, from Pablo, when he put notes in the story was we need to check with uh, Dave Filoni and make sure we can use kicks. So mm -hmm. I assume they did and they got a thumbs up. So I know, Based on that, I, I assume that uh, Dave Filoni knows about the story, knows what they did, and has done little things to make sure it doesn't step on it. I love that. So, like, right. I I love how it was the Clone Wars inspiration. The story was written, and then they went back for season seven, and they're like, okay, let's let's just kind of toss it there because, like, I love how this is like literally all I think about sometimes. I love how Kix wasn't at the Siege of Mandalore, so that means sometime before that, but after sometime after the bad batch arc mm -hmm. but before the siege of mandalore he gets chipped off and that's yeah. it and so i just like it all fits together i just i love the clones and obviously I, as you can see here <laughs> well, I know a couple of secrets uh from the cutting room floor that didn't make it into the story yeah that's what yeah. Is. so the idea was that um i'm blanking on her name the jedi that's always on um camino uh same uh, species Sha as ahsoka that's shakti yeah. shakti yeah, that she's starting to get suspicious of things too. Kicks does some investigations, and she was going to work with Kicks to on a ship of her people to have. He was going to be frozen in carbonite because. And my argument on that was, the five hundred first knows the carbonite trick from when they um, went to the prison planet. Yeah, um, mm -hmm. so he was frozen in carbonite originally, and the idea being that she helped smuggle him onto a ship of her people, but somebody someone on Camino ratted them out. They got ambushed by the separatists. He got captured. That ship was destroyed. Um, and this is all happening very, you know, not long before revenge of the Sith as we're going. And, um, what was it going to be? Uh, I got told they, they, that carbonite was, was not really an option they wanted to go with. And I tried to push it saying, no, it, it, it I understand. Maybe you feel carbonite is overused or something, but it makes sense in this instance because he's been there before. This isn't, he would know mm -hmm. this trick. Yeah. Like of anyone in the Star Wars universe, any of the people, like there's a reason you'd go, oh, that's why Darth Vader thought to do the carbonite trick on Han Solo. He's already been frozen himself. Yeah. Although I will say, yeah. when you think of that context, it takes a little of the risk out of it, right? It's a little yeah. less like, yeah, yeah. a little <laughs> like, bit. Oh, where they, where they say, like, oh, the, what if he dies? It's like, well, no, we, we've done this before. We're like, <laughs> old trick. He'll be fine. Yeah. Don't. Yeah, yeah. That's what Darth Vader said. No, no, I did this once myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Should, Don't they should dub that in. <laughs> yeah. The next special edition edit goes in let's, a long story about it. <laughs> I love it. I, I guess let's let's go bring it back to just like sign on though in general. Um, 
So this this is a different kind of question. So how do you personally pronounce Sidonithano? The exact same way you just did. Okay, Sidonithano. Cool. Okay. Because I know like in resistance, Craigan yeah. is like, "Ooh, Sidonithano," and it, and I've and it's always made me question, like, "Wait, am I saying it wrong?" Yeah. The, the <laughs> other big one. The other big one. Um, their ship, the Maison Martinet. Is that? Am I saying that one correctly? Probably. I always pronounce it. That was one of the things that was in that uh, had been dictated before I came on was the name of the ship. Oh, and nice. so I didn't choose that. And it, I always pronounce it in my head. Uh, Misan Martinet. Okay. Okay. Uh, cool. I don't know what's correct in there. Um, Couldn't tell you. Yeah. I mean, you're the lore guy on, on side. <laughs> I guess we can. But I didn't, but I didn't create that one. I, 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 I in fact, I originally, um, I think that's how we ended up. Like, I think I originally not realizing they had a name for the ship. I, in my first draft, I just called it the Shrike, um, which yeah. I ended up using for something else in the you same used it for story. The skiff. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I, I, um, and I actually just like the idea that, uh, Sidon has a lot of gear. Um, yeah, they're more with that, more with that. I, I, I love that for, I guess like in general. So like, um, obviously they're pirates, they're marauders. Um, what would be like the biggest like inspiration for like Sidon's like crew and just like everything in general that you you took for this? You know that's a good question. I you know I had to I had a day to write each one of these stories. Oh my god! And, wow, um, that's crazy. It was bonkers. It was bonkers. Well, I mean they <laughs> they gave me they gave me you know like a month or something technically, but I had I was working for Sideshow at the time. I was on retainer with Sideshow. It was um you know a very time consuming job working on this. Um, Court of the Dead stuff for them. And um, so I didn't, I couldn't reasonably take time out of my week to work on it. So I just had to do weekends, which the schedule allowed me, I think, two to three week, three weekends. Um, so that's basically a story a day. Yeah, six days. And um, I wrote that Crimson Corsair story in three hours, I think. Wow. Um, <laughs> And I didn't know where I was going from chapter to chapter. I like I had no plot uh, planned out. I'm just like, let's just roll with this because sometimes that's all you can do. Um, so I didn't. All I did was I found pirate. I was just I, I worked to music a lot of the time, music without lyrics. So I'm just searching for whatever. Um, I think what I ended up finding was this acoustic version of Duel of the Fates for that one. And sometimes, uh, so I bounced between that and unusual because it had lyrics, the um, MC Chris Boba Fett song. <laughs> which <Yeah. laughs> then MC Chris does a side on Ithano song, referencing the book and just like, oh. Wow, that's so cool. <laughs> it's come full circle. That's so yeah. funny. <laughs> that's right up Jamie's alley with finding like uh, oh my God, weird versions of songs to work to or something. You recently yeah. looked up like, uh, what was it? Medieval versions of like, yeah, that's been like my favorite thing recently. There's <laughs> those, like, those, me yeah. There's <laughs> I love those. Those if those had been around uh, five years ago. Whenever I, I would have been listening to a lot of those. I'm a big fan of that stuff. You haven't yeah. lived until you've heard Slim Shady, but like on like a little like harpsichord, like it is insane. Like <laughs> I it's heard that one. it's so good. <laughs> like just look up like medieval rap. It's it's insane. Um, but yeah, like that's like under the radar. Like one of my like favorite small like lore things in Star Wars is like what kind of music to like they listen to like in universe. And so mm -hmm. like I love how like when music does inspire a character, but then I love when you actually hear them experiencing it as well. And it's something that like we've seen a lot more in like the recent times. Um, with Star Wars content, because like we have 
obviously the classic cantina band but like that's mm -hmm. just like whatever it's just like their club music but then like we are getting like more music recently with like an actual band making music for the video game Jedi Fallen Order. And then like you, you mentioned music at one point during the Crimson Corsair story. Um, and then the High Republic, the Nihil Raiders are all just like listening to like punk music Rack the punk. entire time. Yeah. It's yeah. it's crazy. Mm. I, I love it. Jamie, did you have um more kicks questions? Kicks questions, kicks questions. Um, this one, I understand if you can't answer it, but you do have a new comic coming out with Sidon Ithano, so Star Wars Adventures. And will we see the entire crew in it? Yes. <laughs> cool. Because cool. there's, there's big, cool, cool. There's big clone... There's uh, diehard Clone Wars fans that, like, don't... might not necessarily know, like, the, the whereabouts of kicks. Because, I mean, yeah. there's Star Wars fans who just... they consume the visual media... Not necessarily the books. It's, so it's well, weird. Is, we have like a subset of like fans that like um you find the people who are like interested in the same stuff as you are within the Star Wars universe. And so like we uh, out of the three of us, we know a lot of people who like really like kicks. It's like kind of like crazy. So like we're all aware of it. And so it's like you you got this like strong subset who are like really excited for like anything to come out come out about it. Yeah, I mean this is my favorite kind of piece of Star Wars trivia, right? You always. To anybody who hasn't read the books or anything, you always mention that, oh, yeah, and kicks. You know, frozen and then wakes up 30 years later and ends up on a pirate crew. And you know, I do. I, I jokingly say, like, uh, kicks is the key to bridging the Clone Wars to the sequel trilogy. It I is. like jokingly, but seriously, say it all the time because yeah. that's literally it. <laughs> He's like the last clone, you know? Yeah. I think I tagged you in a tweet the other day, Landry. Um, the one of our friends, uh, Rexon Around, who does a lot of clone armor stuff. He he had a, a picture of his kicks outfit, and he's like, "Oh, I I want to. I think about kicks daily or something, and I want to oh, know. Oh, yeah, like, I did see that. That was. Wanna, are we going to see more of them? And I was. I I think I teased it, and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. I mean, the answer to that, I guess, is yes. Well, you know, in this comic at least, and mm -hmm. hopefully, maybe." I'm, I, I, I probably shouldn't say anything, but I'm going to spoil just a little. The comic, really, uh, one of the things, that, because I assume that people who read this comic won't necessarily have read the, the book. Although I found that a lot of people haven't read the book, but have watched the many, one of the many YouTube videos that discuss what happened to Kix. Um, and I've noticed a lot of those YouTube videos never even tell where they're ref what they're getting that from, which is always a little frustrating. It's like, okay. Mm. You've got a million views or whatever. Could you just maybe mention the book? Because if people go and buy the book, maybe they'll let me write another book. Yeah. Um, that book. book right there. Yeah, that book is uh, Star Wars Tales from a Galaxy Far, Far Away, Volume 1, Aliens. Yes. Go buy we it, want a everybody. Volume two. Um, we do want a Volume 2. Uh, we chomping at the bit for Volume 2. The uh, <laughs> So, but I did, I am finally doing, I'm doing an eight-page. It's, it's a backup story. It's an eight-page piece. Uh, so I didn't have, I had to really jump in and jump out. Um, and I'm trying to, my goal is to do more of these with the Corsair. I have, um, a long arc mapped out. I have a lot of material planned, uh, if I can get them on board to do it, which means, you know, loud voices on that. Um, the, uh, so this story is, is I had to assume that people wouldn't necessarily have read the short story, um, and so it's it's it definitely moves the needle forward, but also kind of introduces um, the characters. It's it's introductory in a way. 
Um, but I'm very, I'm very happy with it. I dug deep into some uh, nerdy comic book lore um, with, um, I won't say anything, but a character, I wonder if this is spoiling too much. I reference another comics creator named Jim Woodring, who created, who did a Star Wars arc for Dark Horse in the mid '90s, and I'll tell more about that after it's out. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. 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 We don't want you to get in trouble. So. It's not even a big thing. It's just a fun little thing, you know. Nice. These just nodding to this stuff. Oh my gosh. We we yeah. Go ahead, AJ. Something I kind of thought, just thought about was uh, I don't know if you noticed, but in season two of The Mandalorian. There was a lot of Force Awakens kind of background aliens and background characters. I, I think Constable Zuvio was even there, and I think he and the the opening scene with the Gamorrean fight. Uh, Matt, I think you referenced it, right? Was Constable Zuvio there, or he was in the background? Constable on... Zuvio is on Navarro. <clears throat> Navarro. When they go back, back and watch that, I didn't see that. Oh my yeah. god! They used yeah. a bunch of um, just random background aliens that we saw from the sequel, like, mostly Force Awakens, um, and. I'm really, I think it would line up, right? I, I'm really hoping we could see Sidonathano in that because he fits in that world perfectly, like yeah, outlaws no in the outer room. There's no reason he couldn't show up. I, I have written, um, I, uh, I pitched an origin story for him um, that uh, they haven't picked up on yet. I do hope they will at some point, but it would put his timeline. It, he, where did I have him? I'm thinking, um, it would be, I don't know, in that time uh, for his kind of beginnings of becoming the Crimson Corsair would take place, I don't know, about 10 years before Battle of Yavin. Um, oh. We don't know how old he is, right? Or how long his species lives. So I just thought mm -hmm. that was a fun time to play with. But he would be, that would be when he's very young. Um, and uh, that would be a blast. Yeah. His, He's living in a monk temple. That's all I'll say. As a child. Oh, wow. Um, oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's, a, it's probably never going to get picked up, so I can go ahead and spoil that one. Um, or <laughs> you know, uh, the um, what was it? Uh, thinking. So that's the Mandalorian is what five years Three after years? Endor. Five years after Endor. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. So we're talking twenty-five years before. Um, yeah, there's no reason because we don't know how long he lives. I don't like aliens that live too long for the most part in my stories because it takes away from the feeling of something happening a long time ago. When I sat down to write this, in fact, when I wrote the Crimson Corsair story, the feeling had to be that the Clone Wars was like the way we talk about World War One or World War II, um, depending on our, our age. Like it was a long time ago. Um, you know, but it still affects us. It still resonates and it's still out there, but it's so long, like for a young person, it's, it's a very like, oh, that long ago war. Um, when you have characters routinely that live a thousand years, it kind of diminishes that aspect a little bit. And it makes it hard to write about this very interesting generational aspect that you can have in star wars just because of the fact it's been going on like we we've, we've been watching any universe stories for you know 50 60 years now right of of, of in universe time mm -hmm. um yeah yeah i believe so, the i believe it's like 60 yeah. 68 years something like that yeah and that's not even counting getting into stuff like the in the novels um and the high republic that recently came out and all that oh, just yeah. within the just within the visual media i think that's about where we're at and um 
because of that, we get some interesting generational stuff, but it diminishes as soon as like a character like Maz Kanata shows up. It's like, oh yeah, no, I was there for all that. Or when we yeah. start talking about Chewbacca being that old, which makes for funny jokes, it kind of like, it's like, wait, it, you were actually yeah. there? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it diminishes, it diminishes some of this sense of like when, when Han Solo is talking about the Jedi in, in New Hope, he's talking about the Jedi. Like it's this, like they've been wiped out so long. He doesn't really believe they exist. Yeah. And that's interesting. Um, yeah. There are other yeah, you, you're right. I mean, in, in your story, you have, I forget who says it, but they're like, oh, the Clone Wars, that's ancient history. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I totally see what you're talking about. And I was going to mention like Han Solo, they've been trying to do this in the new canon where they, they try to make it so that, yeah, the Jedi feel really ancient. They talk about ancient religions and a new mm -hmm. hope for, for the Jedi, but also in the sequels, it's like uh, Ray thinks that Luke Skywalker is a myth. He's been yeah. gone for like six years, you know, and all of a sudden it's like the Jedi and, and all that mysticism it might not even be real. Yeah. Mm. So it definitely, it definitely feels like you're right. It's almost like they want to have their cake and eat it too, where they have these long lasting characters, but then at the same time, so many people see history as this, uh, you know, very short sighted in terms of like, Oh, you know, that was like forever ago. That's one of the things that made the clones interesting to me and made taking a clone. I know there's some debate around how they age, whether they accelerated aging ends after a certain point and they slow down or if it continues. Um, I'm not going to weigh in on what's accurate there because, you know, that's not that's out of my job description. But if a clone, if clones do generally live this accelerated life, um, that even makes the Clone Wars feel from a clone perspective, from Kick's perspective, super ancient history. I mean, how, what are the odds of any other clones being alive if they're, if the accelerated aging is, because it's been a total of 50 years for him. He was frozen, right? Um, yeah. And, yeah. Because end of, end of just before Revenge of the Sith, all the way until shortly before Force Awakens. Yeah. Um, yeah, he 50. should, yeah. he should be yeah. the last one. Because, like, obviously, uh, we have Rex towards the end of Return of the Jedi. But other than that, like... And, you know, yeah. he's, he's already yeah. looking like Santa Claus at that point. So. <laughs> I mean, I guess at least if we go with the last of the clones that fought in the Clone Wars. I mean, there could potentially be uh, other clones, I suppose. Like, yeah. they could continue to make or, or new ones show up or anything. But they wouldn't be... They wouldn't have the same set of experiences. And that's oh, really yeah. what it's about. It's not about just being the same genetic sequencing, but also having lived that, like that, um, that brothers in arms sort of thing. Um, the, uh, uh, the shared experiences, shared experiences are huge as, as I, I like just for an aside, I used to work with this um, guy at this comic book store. He was uh, the owner and he was just horrible in so many ways of, of a boss. But, you know, I ended up knowing him. He passed away about five years ago. And I ended up knowing him for 30 plus years. And we were friends just from the sake that we had kind of gone through so much together, even though we weren't, we didn't actually like each other very much. But we had all these shared experiences. And that becomes very important. Um, the clones have that. But that's clones who served. So, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I like that. Yeah, that's that's uh, a really cool way of looking at it. I hope you get to explore that a little bit. Definitely. I do too. That'd be fun. <laughs> that would be that would be very cool. Um, just before before we get too far away from it, you said you mentioned a 
uh, Sidon Ithana origin story. And I, one of the questions that's really been bugging me is, how did he get the helmet? I love the helmet, the Kalish warrior helmet, you know, General Grievous's warrior race. Do you explore that at all? Or do you have that's any idea? I completely, that's completely explored. And um, <laughs> I'll just say it, it kind of plays into the idea of, um, I don't know how to put it because I'm, I, I did a lot of research at the time when I pitched the story and it, you know, you, you end up working on 18 other things the next week and you kind of move on. Right. But um, it had to do with the um, exploring the, the, the living gods of the Kalish, like, cause they have um, their gods were all people in their history um, that have been elevated to kind of this godhood status and I kind of went with taking a little bit of the way the Greek pantheon works and applying it to the Kalish of this pantheon of gods from different points in history that have been. Um, and the idea being that there was, um, how did it work? There was a god with the name. So basically the idea that Sidon Ithano chose his name and there was a, a god uh, in there in the Kalish history of, na known as Ithano. Okay. And okay. so great. that's as much as I'll say. Okay. That's great. You know, choosing choosing your name is a big big thing in Star Wars right now. So huge yeah. thing in Star Wars. That's a very thematically solid idea. Oh man. <laughs> oh, that is so cool. Damn. <laughs> I want, I want to change um, off the Sinatana topic, but another story that I absolutely love in uh, your short story book is Recipe for Death, which is the one about uh, Cookie, Sterno Cookie Tugs, yeah. another character that I absolutely adore for like like a lot of reasons because like he's come up again recently within the Galaxy's Edge cookbook. He's like the narrator right. of the entire thing. Um, so I guess like my biggest thing with that so far um, were, did they reach out to you at all, like before they wrote that little bit for the Galaxy's Edge cookbook? No, oh, I found gosh. I found out during a different interview. I didn't even know it existed. Um, yeah, it would be it would be neat it would, if if they had. They didn't need to. Um, you know, it's it's almost kind of impossible. And I think it could probably, if I were writing something, well, you may want to reach out. Sometimes it could kind of pollute the process. The important thing, you know, they they definitely. It seems like they they reference the the story. Mm -hmm. um and uh like he's come up in a couple places i was really happy that there's um in star wars battlefront 2 you can visit the grave of the character um who was uh uh murdered in that story robs ely yeah <laughs> and robs ely is named after one of my oldest friends rob ely is his actual name <laughs> oh wow he's a he does custom toys i'm I, he's on twitter um and uh so he's got a grave in a video game. He used to work for Namco as a video game. Uh, what do you do for Namco? Like PR. So him being in a Star Wars game was a nice. That's so having funny. A grave. I murdered him. Um, <laughs> I love that. That's really cool. I mean, whoever did the, the world building for um, for Battlefront 2, that's cool that they they read the story and took that yeah. piece. Yeah, you yeah. go and you find it. I mean, if you translated it, see, here lies Rob's Ely. <laughs> that's, it's, that's amazing that's so, so cool for for cookie um he was one of the characters that they that you just picked right he wasn't one that they requested what yeah, drew you to picking him you know i don't remember why i picked him um he just i i don't know why he looked interesting to me i think the idea of him being a chef 
I knew he was a cook. Like, it's yeah, a that's visual for our nice. <laughs> video people. He Beautiful. was. I don't know why that story was one of the hardest ones to write. I was like, that was the last one. That the last two that I wrote were with that one and um, the Unkar Plot story, and I um, was kind of more at sea with both of them. I think creatively, and um, I enjoyed it, but and I enjoyed the idea of making him like have all these aspirations of fine dining and and being a, like the idea that he took his his cooking so seriously because I think the original thing was kind of like he's you know he's a cook I'm like no he's a chef <laughs> and that was that was fun um, and making it all revolve around these recipes and and whatnot this cookbook and murders and then I think I was just watching a lot of master chef at the time too so there you go <laughs> it's good I, I mean like the cliff notes version of it is so they literally have like a cooking show to figure out like who killed the other guy that, yeah it's it's good i love that tale um and i, I was, love that it said in maz's castle as well i had a couple exchanges with um the chef graham elliott uh is his name uh, on master chef at that time too um because hmm. i basically based it around him and so he he retweeted that story which was fun that's awesome. That's, that's really cool. That's uh, that's cool. So I guess <laughs> one of the questions I'm thinking about now that we're going into like other characters that you wrote stories about. Are there any background characters in The Force Awakens or just in that era in general that you wish you got a chance to write a story on that you might not have uh, picked? You know, one of the cards on the table that you didn't pick that you, you know, wish you had. I don't know. It was such a blur. You know, you look at them there. Um, the only, for some reason, the only one I really remember being there. Uh, I mean, there were a bunch obviously, but, uh, and I picked the ones I thought looked most visually interesting. So the ones that none of the rest stuck out to me, there was one card on the table that said, you can't use this one. <laughs> and that was, Oh, what's her name? She is in the same scene in Maz Kanata's castle. She's an informant because somebody else was writing her story already. Oh, the uh, first order was, informant there. Yeah, I know. Was who you're it talking uh, about. Bazine? Bazine Natal? Yeah. She's like yeah. black and white, right. like outfit. Bitch's eyebrows. And yeah. I think one of the reasons. <laughs> so this, the, there's some kind of gangster that she's like acting like a mole for. She's work. She's hanging out with this like big gangstery looking guy. Yeah. And originally, I was kind of interested in him, but because her story was going to be really tied to him, I ended up saying I. Because they were kind of, oh, you could write him. I'm like, I, I didn't want to have somebody who was tied too deeply with the lore of another author mm -hmm. and, yeah, and have us risk fair. stepping on each other's toes or contradicting material. Because here's the thing. I didn't know how these characters would appear in the film. No one, all, I had a brief overview of like what the First Order was and, you know, how it related to the Empire. And that's really it. I didn't know. They didn't tell me, well, this character is going to have screen time or not. Um, I was as surprised as anyone when Constable Zuvio basically didn't show up in the film. I was also <laughs> overwhelmingly happy when the Crimson Corsair actually had a speaking line. Yeah, I right. did not know that was going to happen. I didn't know what context these characters would show up in the film, if any. I thought that you know maybe they'd just be a character in the background, and that's it. Like like Strono Tugs was. Yeah. So when they told me that this character already was tied to another author, I, I, I that's the only one I remember. I was interested in writing him. And um, I, I decided I didn't want to. Uh, I was super happy with my choices on, on some of like the, um, the Fregosians, the- uh, Those were the, these guys, right? The Yeah, 
which yeah. I think I'm saying it wrong. It just clicked with me the other day. I think it's actually Frygeisians. They're like the, for visually, um, for audio people. So they're like yellow, fuzzy, small guys and they wear goggles. There's one in Resistance who's like a janitor. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah I was, but, that, that was one of the only times I've seen, well, there are two things. It's both in Resistance I've seen where the Lord goes, I don't know how that works. Um, one was OP Pit because the way I set up the two Frygeisians, and I think it's that because I think they're supposed to resemble Fry Guys from McDonald's. Um, oh, my oh my gosh, gosh they do. They do. Uh, yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's great. That's great. Um, the, uh, I think that, you know, because I set them up as very frightening, a very frightening species. Yeah. They are, um, they're from a planet called Tansel 5 which is actually shows up the five shows up like a V and it's actually supposed to kind of suggest Transylvania, Tansel V. Oh, their mouths, their entire head opens up like, like a Muppet hinge filled with fangs. Um, and they are, and they're, uh, they're, they find sunlight, their version, they have an aversion to sunlight. Um, they're a nocturnal species. They're basically space vampires. Mad scientist <laughs> space vampires. So when one's poking around as a janitor, I'm like, that that's a little demon right there. That is <laughs> I would yeah. not trust, I would not be alone with that thing. And I would not hang out with OP Pit in the shadows, is all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that adds so much to OP Pit though. It really, it really does. Because like the, the duo with the tail, they're absolute psychopaths. Um, but then like you have just like uh, mild mannered OP pit, but like I don't know. Everyone keeps like uh, taking advantage of his like floor waxer. So like that's true. Mm, I don't know what's happening in the shadows. Like I would not. I would watch out. I would not hang out <laughs> OP pit in the shadows. Anybody messing with his uh, floor scrubber, they go missing. <laughs> that's and but this is the risk of working in a shared universe. Like you contribute and you hope your contributions resonate, like it has with the Crimson Corsair. But you can't count on it always, and you have to accept and be prepared that somebody is going to come along and do something different. Um, which can be disappointing when it happens, but it's part of the machine. Like, yeah. I think that what they did with Uncar Plutt's species, um, is a little bit different than what I had in mind. Um, the, uh, because I have a female, uh, right, right. and there are no yeah. female, uh, members of his species. And they did basically kind of say, no, no, this is like the lore, people behind the lore said, yeah, he, this is this other race, but she looks just like Uncar Plutt. So yeah. Yeah. So that doesn't really work with the story where he says, you know, oh, I can tell that's not a female because there are no females. Yeah. And she yeah. looks like a, you know, a female version of a species, even if they label her, you know, something different. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that was a little, but I mean, that's, again, that's just the nature of the beast. It's, it is what it is. Um, uh, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I used to, to bring it back to Sidon, one thing I wanted to mention was uh, Rise of Skywalker. He, he becomes the, a hero at the end of the day. I mean, he was yeah. never really a bad guy, but um, he probably saves the day. Really, I mean, he's probably the. And it's funny because, it. like, <laughs> and when we saw the movie the first two times, we would notice him in the celebration scene at the end. And but if you go to like the battle on Exegol, he's on the you know in the background behind Finn and and Janna and everyone uh, fighting you know with his rifle and whatnot. Yeah. So it was it was cool to see him there. Uh, Hey, Quiggle must spot. have been there too, limping around. But. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> limping around. He's just like, oh, um, yeah. It's, it's so funny. Okay, look, we we have like majority of like the side on Athano merch, and so like these two came as a duo, obviously. Mm -hmm. So side on and Quiggled. Yeah, like they're the only ones like 
I, I just love to like see them. They they stand next to Finn usually, um, because of course they would have to. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I I love. It, it was really funny when we saw Rise of Skywalker the first time because like all of us are like in tune with like is just like seeing Sidon like if possible and just like seeing him like on the lander was like absolutely insane for us because I'm like no 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 if you pause at this one frame you can tell that that's <laughs> not a Sith trooper that is the red helmet of Sidon Ithano and there's it's, like it's just great there's this emotional scene with like Ray and Poe and Finn hugging <laughs> and then I'm I'm elbowing Jamie and I'm like there's Sidon in the back <laughs> <laughs> he sticks out pretty well so. I- I got yeah. to see all three. Well, I've, all the new movies I got to see at Lucasfilm. Oh, um, nice. yeah. So I'm I'm there with you know just watching for it, it, and I'm not enjoying the experience the way I should because I'm sitting there watching for those moments. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, it was rewarding. It was very rewarding. That's, yeah, that's awesome. gonna be exciting. That's so cool. Dude, so I, think, I mean that go. that kind of points out. Sorry, Jamie, but that, that kind of points out that they like. <laughs> The character a lot. Uh, he looks cool. He, they put him in the background again. He even got his own little mission in the Lego Force Awakens yeah. game. Oh, that yes. was, that yeah. was cool. Um, and yeah, I mean, I could see him popping up in Force Awakens if the, the timeline makes sense for that. Jeez, uh, uh, Mandalorian. <laughs> I could see him popping up in Mandalorian. Would be an early, like an early show. Maybe not exactly the same crew. Uh, Quiggled, I would think, yeah. would be one of his earliest crew members. I think that's probably his first, like and closest crew member at that point would make sense. But the yeah. rest at that point, uh, Squeaky should come in pretty early. My idea was he was um, a uh, Gamorrean gladiator. Um, Ooh, this is before they had those show up in Mandalorian season two. Um, yeah. better. Because my <laughs> idea was that the gla- at the time, my idea was that they, these, there was different casts of, of, of Gamorreans. We're used to seeing like this, this, like smaller statured cast that like often goes out and becomes mercenaries or guards, but there's this warrior cast. Like, so I did a custom toy of squeaky and I used a, uh, for the three and a quarter figure line and I used a Hulk body. So to give you some sense (laughs) of what the proportions of squeaky (laughs) would be, he would tower over everyone else. Um, by like the Corsair would come up to middle of his chest and he's built like the Hulk. And wow. um, covered in tattoos, and he spent years as like he's basically like Conan the Barbarian in the <laughs> Gamorian world. I love this. Squeaky, Squeaky the Barbarian. I squeaky like the it. Barbarian. Basically, yeah. Oh, I'm bumping the button there. Hold on. Oh. <laughs> there we go. It's this iPad. That's so funny. Um, <laughs> but he, he's also this like incredibly kind and gentle being. Um, I liked it as contrast to his stature, but the idea being that he was, and there's more of it in the comic, uh, That in, um, so I'll leave it at that. Um, uh, but I didn't like the idea that all the Gamorreans always look the same. I like the idea of mixing up the body types a little with that. I remember when the Mandalorian yeah. season two was first revealed, the first image they revealed <laughs> was like this big buff Gamorrean, you know, gladiator. So it seems like you and them were on the right page for, or on the same page for a while there. And then some, I yeah. guess something changed. Um, yeah. Yeah. Along the way, but that's, that's pretty funny. And yeah, okay. I have to ask, how do you pronounce, is it Penducole? Pen, Penducole? Um, Penducole? Pendicle. 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 All right. So that's how, that's kind of how I was, <laughs> I was saying it. That's cool. All right. I like, I like that whole crew. 
I, I half of our questions have just been, how do you pronounce this? How do you pronounce yeah. <laughs> I enjoy Ishitib. Like, I ended up doing some fun stuff with Ishitib. Having, like, it wasn't planned, but somehow, I don't know, something about their faces made me want to keep going back. They're just interesting looking creatures. So I did a um, story in Star Wars Adventures uh, with a frequent collaborator of mine, Eric Jones, um, where uh, Leia goes to the planet of the Ishitib shortly after New Hope, um, before Empire trying to get them on board with the rebellion, the cause of the rebellion. And that's where I got to kind of establish Leia as uh, not like a, as a spy, you know, that's basically what she, she has all these different uh, like identity, like kits and stuff, like different like IDs that she goes through. <clears throat> um, but uh, as an aside, like exploring Pendiquil as this, um, like lower tier member of the Corsair's crew and an Ishitib in that regard. And then doing these, like exploring the like political structure of the Ishitib on their home planet was an interesting contrast for me. That's cool. Very cool. Sad to see him go. Spoiler Mm. alert for anybody. who. (laughs) Uh, But one more thing, because I read the story last night to, to refresh myself uh, to prepare (laughs) for this. And there was one line, I'm a big flag guy. (laughs) Uh, I like flags. And if you Google uh, Sidonathano's flag, there's a flag that I made um, that you find immediately. But when I was reading the story, I honed in on this one line that said the two-eyed flag of the Crimson Corsair that they were flying on the scribe. Mm-hmm. What do you, do you know? Do you have like an image of that in your head that you could tell me that I could make? Just the two... These it was the, like the two eyes based, on his off his, based off his helmet. Yeah. All right. I got to make that then. That's that's my next. That's <laughs> awesome. I love I just, it. His helmet is so interesting of a design. I yeah. see you have the in the background. Yeah. Yeah. I need one of those. I need to get one of those. <laughs> like. They are like, out there, like I, random. So I, I don't remember exactly, AJ, you would know uh, which vendor we got it from, but it was through Etsy. We're in the process of making the full costume. It's kind of weird because since it's such an obscure background character, technically, um, there's like barely any resources resources about it aside from you know like a facebook build group which i'm in I'm which i think too. i post i think i posted a photo of this exact spot with a selfie and i think he liked oh. it which is kind of crazy <laughs> but um yeah we're in the process of that it'll come eventually so it's been something literally since 2015 like we wanted to do like even like before like the podcast existed so we're like you know we, we just got to do it it's That's on fun. its way but yeah so i think that We've asked a ton of things and we want to yeah. thank you again. Um, thank you so much for coming on the Holland Marauders show. Um, I guess my next thing from here is, is there anything that you'd like to promote on your end or like anything like that? What do you have coming up? Well, uh, my next thing out is Star Wars Adventures uh, Volume 2, Issue 7 with a backup story with Sidon Ithano, the Crimson Corsair and his crew and Kix. Um, <laughs> and it uh, comes out, I think, I want to guess july 28th or the wednesday that's around there i don't have a calendar in front of me i'm going to assume that's a wednesday end of july uh, it's been done for a while uh, with brilliant um art by uh nick brokenshire um just beautiful piece and uh i also had a book come out recently um called pepper page saves the universe it's an all age all ages story about a young girl who is a hardcore fan for um a superhero comic book character she lives in the distant future and this crazy time portal experiment thing happens where she gets bombarded by 
rays from cosmic beings and she becomes the hero that she is a fan of and it's a miserable terrifying experience for her until she learns to embrace who she has oh, no. to be um that's a book that came out recently what else do i have going on i just had i just worked on like one of those <laughs> dc comics encyclopedias i work all over the place so yeah um yeah that's basically it right now well, good Good. Cool. We're we're super excited for the new comic. Obviously, um, oh, yeah. we're probably going to do like a, a big thing about it because it's very rare recently to get sat on stuff. Um, but yeah, and then my last question in general: Where can we find you on social media so anyone can check out what you're up to? The main place for me is Twitter. Uh, I'm at Landry Q Walker on Twitter, um, and yeah, I am I am on sometimes on Facebook or Instagram, but I don't post there very often. We'll we'll tag you on Twitter and fill you in on what we're up to. And then again, Wait. just for everybody else. Oh, what? You got something? Oh, cool. Sorry. I thought something else was <laughs> I'm like, I'm hearing noises. Anyway, um, this has been the Holland Up Marauders podcast. You can find us um, everywhere at Holland Up Marauders on Twitter, just at Holland Up Marauder. No S, because otherwise it would have been too long. But anyway, thank you guys so much for listening to the Holland Up Marauders podcast. Holland Up Marauders.